This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, oh, with the powerful you. questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Yeah, come on in, stay a while. Welcome to the Chris Van Vliet Show. This episode's brought to you by Untuck It, and I'm going to say this right off the top, because I know there were a lot of people who weren't very excited when I tweeted out that I was going to be interviewing Enzo Amore. I had quite a few people saying, hey, Chris. I listen to every single one of your interviews, but I'm going to be skipping this one. Thanks anyway. And I know. I get it. You know what we got over here? You know what sounds like we got over here? A couple of haters. But in all seriousness, uh, you will see in this interview that Enzo the character is very different from Enzo the human being. Uh, he's all about hard work, creativity, and especially giving back to the community. So I just ask of you that you go into this with an open mind and I promise you, when this thing is over, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. And I've been uh, pleasantly surprised by all the kind things you guys have been saying about this podcast uh, and in general, just about these interviews on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, thank you so much. And in person as well. I was at the big event in New York this weekend. It was, it was awesome meeting you guys in person. It's also awesome hearing which interviews are your favorite interviews. That Chris Jericho one in the back of the car, that comes up a lot. But then people will be like, oh, Ryback was my favorite one. Uh, Marco Stunt was my favorite interview. Jungle Boy. The Rock. Yeah, any any list of them. I, I'm like, actually, I wonder which one's your favorite interview. Uh, let me know. Tweet tweet at me. Uh, I'm also glad to hear that you guys liked the mini episode that we dropped last week. We're going to uh, gonna keep those going. They're not going to be like a regular every week thing. They're going to kind of come up as we get some ideas. And if you have ideas, let me know. Uh, but every Thursday, we are going to have... The interviews dropping on the podcast. So keep the uh, the nice feedback coming in. Keep those reviews coming if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts because that's the platform where you can uh, review the show. It's literally going to take you like seven seconds to click the five stars. So please, please, I don't have a Patreon. I'm not asking for your money. All I'm asking for is a couple little thumb clicks from you. That's it. You can, you can leave a review. Six Pack Lean left a review. That's uh, his username. He says, CVV pods are awesome. I listen to the podcast every time CVV uploads. Well, that's really nice. Uh, thank you. I listen to it every time I hit the sauna after I kill my workout. Love the podcast. Haven't missed an episode. I don't care if CVV reads this on an episode. I just want to help out and give this a five-star review. Keep it coming, Chris. You're killing it. And AEW. Man, thank you very much, Six Pack Lean. Also, how about uh, how about this episode being rolled out on a Thursday? Yeah, like I said, that's the plan moving forward, so make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes starting now. Thank you to Samson for uh, the mics and the audio equipment and the mixing boards and everything that makes us sound so good 
and uh, so professional. You can head to samsontech.com to see their full lineup. Of course, the show is brought to you by Green Roads, and there's a lot of CBD companies out there. You've heard a lot of different companies, but if you're looking for the best quality products, which is, I would assume, what you'd want if you were ingesting something into your body, uh, Green Roads has the best quality products. They are pharmacist-founded companies, so they're not screwing around here. They've got the lab results to back up all of their products. But most importantly, people are like, well, what does CBD feel like? What does it do? And I would say it feels like, it actually doesn't feel like a lot. It's kind of like when you take an aspirin. If I were to say, hey, what's it, what's it feel like to take an aspirin? Well, what it feels like is the headache you had or the knee pain you had or whatever, it happens to just kind of fade away a little bit. And that's the same deal with CBD. I take the Green Road CBD oil, a couple drops, bloop, bloop, under my tongue. Uh, the Relax Gummies, the same type of thing. I think that those are the easiest ones uh, to take. And it's just kind of like your brain's going a mile a minute. You're thinking about all kinds of different things going on in your day and your week and your month. And it kind of takes your brain from a 16-lane highway down to like a much more manageable four-lane highway. Um, and it happens gradually over the course of a little bit of time. But you, you know, an hour later, you're like... Wow, I'm able to actually focus on something here. I'm able to actually collect my thoughts. And also, you know, if you do have a little bit of pain from maybe a tough workout or from a recurring injury or something like that, it helps out with that too. Uh, use my code CHRIS15. You'll get 15% off your order at greenroadsworld.com. If you have like joint pain, their topicals are great for that. Um, you can use their muscle and joint relief cream to uh, really help out with that. So once again, Chris15, Chris15, you get 15% off your order at greenroadsworld.com. So like I said off the top, Enzo the character is very different from Enzo the human being. And I'm very aware of the reputation that he has. Enzo is very aware of the reputation that he has. Uh, but I wanted to sit down with him in person and see what he was really like, what he was like away from the WWE cameras, because that's really all people know him from. So he invited me to do this interview at State of Fitness Boxing Club in North Bergen, uh, New Jersey. That's where he works out. He welcomed me into his world with open arms. Uh, he couldn't have been more hospitable. Um, we covered so much in this interview, from him being fired from WWE to those allegations against him in Phoenix, uh, showing up at Survivor Series in the crowd and getting kicked out and what happened after that, uh, then showing up at the crowd at Madison Square Garden at the New Japan show. He gives us an update on Big Cass. A lot of stuff here. And as you probably saw from the runtime, yeah, this is by far the longest interview in the history of my interviews. And I've been broadcasting now for 15 years, and this is the longest interview. We can certainly do longer ones, but like the hour, the 45 minutes to an hour, that's like the sweet spot, I think, for me. So here you go. This is a good one. It's the one and only Enzo. And I guess the first thing I have to ask you is, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm I doing great. There? Yeah, yeah, I see what you did there. Uh, for people that don't know me, uh, you can follow me at Real One. Um, and my name is Enzo, formerly known as Enzo Amore. There's no, there's no one watching this that doesn't know who I you are. I can't make assumptions. And the number one thing that I, I have to say here is if you're a young pro wrestler that's uh, in this world, don't assume that everybody knows you. Every time you walk into an arena, don't assume you're over. Don't pretend that you're over. Go out there like it's the first time they're ever going to see you. And you know how I did that? The same way Paul Heyman did. Introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. All right. Who came up with that bit? 
Who? My name is Enzo Amore? Yeah, too? you know, that whole thing. Like, uh, I did. So, oh, damn. You know what? I should have brought my book here. I kind of, I'm kind of upset. I might want to send Robbie up the road because we have a oh. field day with that. You want to get my book? It's sitting right in my what, living room. Well, you like write down your promos? I have every promo that I've ever done on TV, every promo that I've ever written, and things that the world's never heard written down. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm a writer, and that's uh, my forte in the in the business of pro wrestling. So uh, the introduction bit that I, I've told the story so many times, I, I just hate to retell it, but uh, to make you know the, the you know nuts and bolts of this thing and, and get the short and thick, uh, basically. Uh, the first time that we ever went out there on TV, I said, my name is Enzo Amore. I'm a certified G and a bona fide stud. I didn't say, and you can't teach that at that moment. Right. But we had to do a segment that night. After I debuted, John Cena just happened to be in the crowd that day. I was told I was going to be fired. So I was going out there to do, uh, I guess, a job, you know, because I'm not a jobber. I have a contract with the WWE. I'm an employee. But at the same time, I'm about to go out there, lose, and then get fired. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, man, I got to go tell all my friends back home, like, you know, that one wrestling match you had. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? Got beat up in spandex by a big jacked up guy named Mason Ryan. And it was just a bad look for me. And when I came through the curtain, I thought it was, I, I thought it was all over. I was like, dude, that was terrible. I, they're going to tell me I did bad. This little kid named Rob Naylor, uh, he's not a little kid, he's a man, and uh, he worked for the WWE in production, comes running up to me, and it's like, dude, John Cena wants to meet you. I'm like, dude, I just debuted on TV for the first time, and I'm like, thinking I'm going to get fired, and I'm doing terrible, and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, what? So I go meet John Cena directly after I debut in NXT, and it was just by coincidence that he was there that day, the day I debuted. Uh, Dusty Rhodes gave me the microphone and put me out there and gave me my first opportunity. And then John Cena gave me my second opportunity that very night. When in the dark segment, when the show was over, John Cena was meant to come out because we keep the crowd there. At that time, we couldn't keep NXT fans in the house. We needed John Cena to be in the dark segment so that people would stick around for four hours of taping. Right. Well, John Cena came up to me and he said, hey, listen, I've been here for four hours of tapings and you're the only thing that uh, has caught my attention today. Good job. And I walked away and I was like, what the just happened wow and then Cass came up to me and he was like what do he say what do he say what do he say and I was like next thing I know John Cena comes up to us again and now it's me and Cass standing next to each other he's like do you want to come out with me when I go to the ring in the dark seg he was going out there against Damian Sandow who's the intellectual savior of the masses yeah so in a moment's time literally we have about five minutes to get our clothes on and get to the ring because John Cena is already in the ring with Damian Sandow. Wow. Cass is freaking out. I'm freaking out. But what happened that day changed my life forever. I saw an opportunity, dude, and it was like Eminem. It was like lose yourself. It was like yeah. these weak arms, are, you know, the palms are sweaty. And I was like, oh, oh, no one's taking food off my mom's plate. And I'm like going like right before I go through the curtain, I'm freaking out in my mind about everything that I've written over the past seven months I've been hired in the WWE as I debut seven months into the biz, eight months into the biz. And I had just gotten the name Enzo Amore like three weeks before that. So I didn't think for one second that when I went to TV that day that I was going to be on TV. What exactly did you do with Cena? So we got into the ring with Cena, and he was with the intellectual savior of the masses, Damian Sandow, was supposed to be smart. Yeah. So that's why I said to him, I said, well, I'm a certified G and a bona fide stud. You can't teach that. And this guy's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. And you think you're so smart? 
well, I got a question for you. How many dimples are there on a golf ball? And he like looked and was like, what the fuck? And, and John Cena was like, what is going on? And I was like, there's exactly 136 dimples on a golf ball. And there are exactly zero dimples on my hind end. You want to know why? Because I'm hard body. And you know what you are? You're S-A-W-F-T. Shift. John Cena and the whole crowd were like, what the fuck? Did he? So John Cena said out loud, what did you call him? And I went, shift. And then John Cena went, shift. And the whole crowd goes, shift. The next TV tapings. Now, mind you, we've had about four weekends of live events, wrestling matches in NXT in the state of Florida. And in every one of those matches for the next four weeks leading up to the next TV taping, I don't have any matches. I get booked in a security T-shirt, yellow shirt that says security, and I'm taking the jackets from wrestlers who are wrestling. And they did that to fuck with me. You know what I mean? I didn't realize it at the time. But also, you know, that night that I got out of the ring with John Cena, everybody's coming up to me like, dude, you could be on Monday Night Raw tomorrow. Like, bro, you could be. So for the next four or five years in NXT, I kid you not, I was either told you're going to be fired or you could be called up to Raw tomorrow. Oh, my God. And I had no idea if I was going to Raw or if I was getting fired the whole time I was there in NXT. And everybody would tell you that. You know, when I was in NXT, it wasn't so easy for me as Enzo. What a terrible way to live, though. It was. I think that a lot of guys that were there would tell you that it was a terrible way to live. Um, but at the same time, it makes you who you are. It's a double-edged sword. It's a dirty one. It's the business. It is what it is. Um you know, they, what What are you without the WWE? You're nothing because they're the ones who give you the opportunity and they could easily take that opportunity away. But look at everything you've been doing since we saw you in WWE. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed to have gotten out of that situation the way I did and, and for people to read into it, understand and know that, you know, I'm a good guy and, and these false accusations that were made against me were just that. So it was a blessing to know that uh, the world had my back. And I found that out. Um, probably it was the best day of my life. And it was, it was a day that I made a decision uh, not to necessarily jump back into pro wrestling um, because I thought that, the love that was shown to me, I, I I just I had to come home. So that's where we are right now. Yeah, we're in New Jersey. Yeah, New York City is. You just came from New York City. You could see it from right here. Yeah, um, I'm at State of Fitness Boxing Club in North Bergen, New Jersey. And if you're interested to know where where what I've been up to for the past two years of my life and what it all boiled down to, um, it's the community and coming back home to this community that supported me so much. Um, you know when. This police report came out that vindicated me of any wrongdoing. 4,500 people showed up to Times Square to meet me when I broke a five-month social media silence. And I did that by zooming in on the bleachers of Times Square. And I said, I'll be out there at 8 p.m. next week, the day that the police report came out. When I did that, I was worried that four or five people would show up. Hmm. I was worried that maybe somebody wanted to hurt me. I didn't know what to expect. Man, whoa. You were there, Robbie. One of my business partners is in the room with us, Robbie Max. Shout out, Robbie Max. Um, basically, I'm upstairs in the studio. I come down, and I could have never anticipated that I would fill up the entire Times Square. That's crazy. 
and I didn't do that. Pro wrestling did that. Sure. The fans of pro wrestling who who are avid, uh, you know, fans who love this business, who saw a guy who, quite frankly, I got screwed. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and mince words. I haven't come out and apologized for this, and I'm still not. But putting yourself in a in a situation where you can uh, jeopardize what you've worked so hard for is the only thing that I ever did wrong was, you know, you go out and you drink and you party. And you know what? I got to say, it was at a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. I'm a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. Man, I'm going to go backstage at a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert and and hopefully meet a girl that night. You know what I mean? Sure. That's the way it goes. But you got to know who you are. You got a target on your back. You're a celebrity and anything can happen. So that was a lesson learned for me in life. And I did step away from going out and, and you know, because I'm the type of guy, bro, as Enzo Amore, who the boys in the locker room will tell you, I would go out to the bar if we were in, you know, Nantucket or Nashville, and I never had to buy a drink. You know, if you're in Nashville and there's a wrestling show that night yeah. and you're Enzo and you go to the bar, sure. you're going to see wrestling fans and they're just going to be handing you drinks. And sure. I was one to take them. And that's why fans <laughs> enjoyed hanging out with me, I think, because when I was on the microphone in the ring, I was just, I was in the kitchen with my boys. I just felt comfortable. And when I was out in public with people, I was so approachable that when you walk into an airport and you see six foot eight Braun Strowman walk by 300 pounds and you're a little kid, you're like, oh my God, you know, and you're a grown man with an action figure and you're like, uh, maybe I'm not going up to Braun. <laughs> well, when Enzo comes walking through the airport, kids come running up to me doing my dance. People come up to me and say hello. But you're a people person. But I sign know? every single thing pushed in my face and I take every single picture that is ever asked of me to take. And there's been days and times in my life where I was in a mall. And I was stuck in the same spot for 25 minutes. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because I just don't have it in me. And I heard a recent story about Mike Tyson being the same way, which was hilarious to me. But I hear, uh, I was watching a stand-up bit. And the stand-up comedian's like, Mike Tyson was on my flight. And it took us an extra hour to get off the ground because everyone who walked on that flight was wow. like, holy shit, it's Mike Tyson. And the right. stewardess would be like, keep moving. He'd be like, no, shut the fuck up. I, oh, I need a minute here to talk to Mike Tyson. It's like, I'm not Mike Tyson, and I don't get recognized like that. But the people that do recognize me, I stop, dude, and I get to yeah. know them, and I talk to them. And that's why I enjoy now being back in the in that public eye of pro wrestling. Um, I have been making my rounds ever since, you know, Big Cass had his well-publicized, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, addiction to alcohol that he is, he's been inspiring so many other people to go seek help. Sure. To, to better themselves, to make them the best version of themselves. And through that process of me and Big Cass starting to, you know, do autograph signings at wrestling shows and hearing the conversations that he's had with people, right. being right there for it, and then he goes away and he goes to get himself better and I'm still doing these meet and greets that me and him were on. And the people are coming up to me and they're telling me about their issues mm. and they're telling me about this, that, and the third. And I think that that's where I'm at mentally right now um, with the opportunity to inspire is I just want to let people know, um, you know, that that's what I've been up to. So I don't want to say like, oh, I walked away from wrestling and I hated wrestling. And I hated wrestling. You're crazy. I love my fans. I have the best fans in the entire world. They showed up 4,500 deep in Times Square. I can never repay them. So if you stop sure. me on the street, I'm going to stop right. and I'm going to talk to you. Thank you. You know, but now as you sit here in my gym, um, I have my business partners, Desmond Boyle, who's a decorated fireman, 
uh, you know, who's been sober for 30 years helping addicts and people who deal with those types of things. Um, and then beyond that, we work with the community here. So I'm in North Bergen. This is home of Cinderella Man. Now, if you know the movie Cinderella Man of with course. James J. Braddock, yeah. this is home to James J. Braddock during the Depression, an immigrant of this country, an Irish immigrant. And me, my grandmother was sold as a slave. Um, she was Irish. So my grandmother wow. was sold as a slave, yeah, to a Canadian family. And Jeez, then and I'm Canadian. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, they were great people, apparently. <laughs> apparently, these Canadians weren't, weren't buying her to enslave her. They were buying her to save her because oh, okay. there was nothing to eat in Ireland. Oh, Canadians are great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she came, to, uh, she came to Canada, and then she came to America. And now we are in Hudson County, Bergen County, New Jersey, right across the Hudson River of New York City. And my entire family... The Lions family is riddled throughout this entire area. I have 17 cousins who had 17 cousins. And my grandmother, <laughs> who just passed away recently, was a matriarch because she had 32 grandchildren. Oh, my God. All in North Jersey. So you mentioned you're back into wrestling. Are you looking to like start working matches again? Uh, well, I do have a match lined up. Um, and I am running my own show. Um, I wouldn't say I'm running it because I have people that are doing it with me. So it's at the comedy store at the comedy store. Yeah. So uh, before we get into that real quick in the pro wrestling, I just want to say that where we are right now is State of Fitness Boxing Club and the doors are open here um, for people who want to come train. Meet me. I'm in here every day. We'll, we'll take you guys on a tour after the interview. Yeah. Enzo will take you around, show you everything around here. But this is uh, this is the boxing club that you're an owner of. Yeah. Well, I'm a partner in it. Uh, I'm a partner in the other side of it. So where we are right now, we're creating a, a music studio. And the reason why we're doing it isn't just for our own passions and our own, you know, people and, and we have other motives. And that is to help children um, that are growing up in our community out here uh, who have learning disabilities is what some people like to call them. I don't think this is a disability. I think it's a blessing. ADHD, ADD are things that I struggled with as a child. And I didn't sit well in a classroom learning about calculus. I didn't sit well in a classroom learning about things that I was less interested in yeah. and or didn't make sense to me. Now, a lot of children that are out here in this community don't have the opportunities that maybe other people do because we are in a city, all right? Hudson County, as well as New York City, is considered uh, a hub for creative economy. Now, creative economy is something that the U.S. government doesn't necessarily provide financial aid or grants for, but the U.N., United Nations, does. And because we fall under that bracket of creative economy, we're working with the U.N. here at State of Fitness to create an environment whereas kids who are troubled with learning in school potentially, who feel bullied or feel segregated because they're sitting in a classroom where they're teaching calculus to the masses and there's three to five kids sitting there that can't concentrate, that can't do this. So maybe they gravitate better towards sports, music, or the creative arts. And for me as a kid growing up, my number one thing that I want to do now as a 32-year-old man is inspire. When I look a kid in the face, it's not like their teacher who's looking them in the face or something. It's a guy with tattooed hands who, you know, has a purple title on his shoulder and says, hey, kid, you know what I wanted to do when I was a little kid? I wanted to be in the WWE and I wanted to be a champion. And you know what I did? I did those things. And I'm no different than you. Okay. Yeah. 
you can do it too. Why is it so important for you to want to give back? Because they gave me everything. Uh, I think that it's people, man. It's just people. I'm a people person. I want to talk to people. I want to meet them. I, 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 that was my greatest pleasure in the world is asking the genuine question. How you doing? <laughs> you know, uh, it's just a pleasure uh, yeah. to, 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 you know, Robbie was just with me, what, two, three days ago out on the corner of the street. Uh, a kid came up to us. He saw me. So, now, listen, you are in North Jersey, and there's a reason why I'm here. Okay? I came home because the love is real. I was in L.A. for two years. I love it there. I do. It takes a lot to get me out of the palm trees. I was in Florida for six years, two years in California. Yeah. 4,500 people in Times Square, a grandmother who was dying of congestive heart failure. I found myself here. Your and grandmother? My grandmother. Wow. So I have a music video out there. You can search it under Real One Enzo. Grace. It's called Grace. And I had the opportunity of a lifetime to make a music video with my grandmother and write a song for her before she died. Um, that, to me, is my greatest achievement in life. Hands down. Mm. Everything I did in wrestling was cool. But the amount of people. See, the video organically got like 300-something thousand views, which isn't a lot, but it's a lot. For me, this is huge because those people that are listening to it they're listening to it again and again and they're sending me messages explaining to me hey i just lost somebody uh you know my grandmother's sick uh my mother's sick and this song really touches home with me mm. and 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 to me those messages about writing a song that inspires people because the song to me grace is a song of triumph i tell the story you know i open it off i lost my job i lost my place lost my mind i've been lost in space flew around the world and i lost the whole day stuck in the middle seat between the rock and a hard place we done lost time baby i done been away but you gotta miss birthdays if you want to be great and i want it in the worst way i know that you pray and i'm talking to my grandma and at the end of the song i say uh, I got these beads from Rome. They were best blessed by the Pope. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your passion. Now let's pray. My grandmother is the strongest Catholic woman. Now you can think what you want about Catholicism. You can think what you want about God or religion. That's not the point. She had faith. Mm. It doesn't matter what you believe in if you have faith. And I never lost that. And throughout the struggle coming out of this situation where I had everything that I worked for in my entire life taken away from me by potentially, you know, I go out and I put a drink in my hand and I meet people that I don't know. Lesson learned. But at the same time, you know, if I didn't get fired by the WWE, I wouldn't have had the last five months of my grandmother's life with her. I wouldn't have been sitting on her couch. I wouldn't have made that music video. I wouldn't have inspired all those people. Right. So God has a plan for me. Mm -hmm. I trust in that. And I've had faith. And when my grandmother passed away, I really wanted to step back and reevaluate. You know, my grandmother didn't like me wrestling. And I told her- I what, can imagine most grandmothers might she not She hated like that. it. Yeah. She hated it. But you know what? She came to the Barclays Center and saw the first ever NXT show, and I was the first song that hit that day. Uh, and when I got thrown out of the ring by Big Cass in that opening match in NXT, I remember getting flown out of the ring and my grandmother sitting right there, and if you look, I'm pointing at her. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm flying through the air and I'm pointing at my grandma. Uh, and that was it. That was bucket list, man. Check. Like, for me, it yeah. was things like that that I just never, ever imagined would happen to me. Or for me, like, I didn't think I would be a champion in wrestling. I didn't think I would have this success. I didn't think I would do these things. I didn't think they would ever put me in the spot. I was like, dude, I'll be Santino forever. Like, bro, <laughs> like, no problem. This is so much fun. 
the fans are having fun, but you know, the business is the way it is. And, and you, 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 you know, it changes and people change, things change, storylines change. And, you know, the run that I had at the end there, I was a heel. Mm. I was a bad guy. Yeah. And to me, I was like, yo, I'm the best in the business. This, dude, like being a bad guy is yeah. fun. People miss that with real life. And the one thing that I can't reiterate enough is <clears throat> when you're in it, in it, in, in pro wrestling, that line of blurring what's fake and what's real, you know? Oh, that's what we're doing because half of wrestling is talking about it. You have to be self-aware enough to know that there's a lot of people out there who don't like you because of the character that you played. Yeah. And they think that you're a dick or you're a douchebag or whatever. What do you think about that? They never met me. They don't know me. They don't know me from a hole in the wall. Uh, it's funny because I released a promo that I had cut about Ring of Honor in New Japan directly after I did the Madison Square Garden thing with Big Cass. And that wasn't taken kindly by anyone. And I thought to myself, this is funny because people don't realize that Enzo, up until the Phoenix music video that I released where I was creating music, um, I never cursed on camera, ever. I never was seen in a picture with a beer in my hand. You know, I kind of took it seriously to try to find the words that would work in place of other words. Sure. And I think that that talent cannot be taken lightly because if you look back at the WWE and or WWF, the attitude era and what so many people graciously thank you uh, equate, you know, what me and Cass were doing, they say, oh, this is reminding us of the attitude era. Well, the attitude era, they stuck up middle fingers and they cursed and they said, bitch, and they said ass, yeah. and they showed ass, and they... Yeah. All right. I found ways to write words. For instance, I'd get handed scripts by the WWE once in a while that said the word ass, and I always replaced it. Never used it. I would say, tuckus, whoop you tuckus. You want you know, my hind end? I'll whoop your hind end. You know what I mean? Find words that were funny, because if you look, that in wrestling is what I call... And the people that taught me. Now, mind you, I was blessed with the opportunity of a lifetime to learn from the greatest system ever put in place in the history of our business. Yeah, and people that might not know your story is you went right into, you began your training at the performance center. Yeah, I got lucky. I had an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, I was the guy at DeFranco's gym in New Jersey. DeFranco, meaning Joe DeFranco, the guy who trains Triple H. Wow. Currently. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah. when I got Joe DeFranco's symbol tattooed on my leg at 17 for a free lifetime membership because my family couldn't afford me to train and I wanted to go, you know, play football, Joe didn't think I'd get the tattoo either. I walked in one day, hey, Joe, got the tattoo, free training for life. You still have it? Still got it. Oh, my God. So now, Joe DeFranco, fast forward. I got that tattoo at 17. I'm 23. He gets a phone call. I'm directly out of college. I kid you not, I got out of college. A week later, I walked into a Hooters in New Jersey for a beer, asked for an application, and got hired as a manager two days later. So I am managing a Hooters at this point. Right? Right? Okay. And I know it's not, you know, the you know, the be all end all. So That's I'm just kind of figuring out a way. Not a bad place to be, though. Yeah, but everybody at DeFranco's gym knows that I want to be a pro wrestler. Got the hair for it now. There it is. Then, right? Well, 
I want to be a pro wrestler. And Joe DeFranco gets a phone call from Triple H. He doesn't know who Paul Levesque is. And when he asks me if I've ever heard of Paul Levesque, my jaw hits the ground. <laughs> P.S. A year later, I compile all the footage of me working out at the gym. I don't ask Joe for a damn thing for a year. But Joe sees me working my ass off in the gym, getting bigger, training for no reason because I'm at Hooters, you know. So then I quit my job at Hooters with no plan. And I get back to DJing. My father is a DJ. Shout out, Tony. Premier Entertainment in North Jersey for all your DJing needs. Another shout out there. Yeah, baby. Um, So ultimately, what ended up happening was, uh, you know, I don't remember. What was my train of thought? DJ. Dad was a DJ. So you've taken a you know, year and you haven't asked Joe for anything at all. I haven't taken anything. You've quit I'm Hooters. DJing, so I'm DJing on the weekends. All right. I DJ Joe DeFranco's wedding. Who's a guest there? Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. Oh, wow. This is where I meet them for the first time. As the DJ on the dance floor with a microphone in my hand. MCing the evening. Sure. You know? Now I show these people that I could do this a little bit. You know? Yeah, yeah. Then I get this opportunity to go out there and get a tryout based on my athleticism and no wrestling at all. Now, when you watch Enzo wrestle, you do not see an athlete. (laughs) (laughs) That is by design. I promise you it's by design. Um, It's John Cena school. You know, I, 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 I very much wrestled like John Cena. You know, like, you can't see me, you know. Right. We all know what's coming next. Sure. But it works. Yeah. It works. Who's the best wrestler in the world right now? Currently? John Cena. Oh. Why? I don't know. if The biggest draw in pro wrestling, oh. The Rock and John Cena. Sure. So those two guys. And then beyond them, who do you think? Lester. Who do you think is the best worker? The best in-ring You're wrestler? asking the wrong guy. Because my judgment of work... <laughs> is based on crowd reaction and that at all that's it hmm. i don't base anything about the moves what you did the psychology of your match i base it on crowd reaction and if you ask me what the greatest match of all time is what would you guess I'm, i would say rock hogan yes my favorite match of the all time. I was there. It's my favorite match of all time. Exactly why you love it. Because yes. you were there and you felt that I energy. Did. And that energy cannot be reciprocated. Man, I can't. I love that we just connected on that. Yeah, baby. Oh, what a that's match. That's it, man. So, I mean, let's get back to it. Our, so, you have this match coming up. That's actually next weekend. Uh, so, yes. At the so, basically, uh, you know, I get that opportunity. Dusty Rhodes sees me out in FCW. I get a tryout. I get signed. John Cena, we went through that story, sees me that day in NXT. From there, the rails are off. I have no idea what happened. I mean, I, I went out there. I said soft with John Cena. The next TV tapings of NXT, I am not booked. I told you I did live events and a yellow T-shirt. Yeah. And the whole crowd for four hours of tapings is going, shoot, shoot, shoot. Me and Kaz are sitting backstage like, what should we do? Should we ask them if they'll let us out there? Sure enough, we get the dark segment again with Ryback. His gimmick is feed me more. So we just rattle off everything on the buffet menu at Golden Corral, <laughs> and we just say, how you doing in between it? Shredded lettuce, I don't. Shredded beef, I don't. Shredded chicken, I don't. You know, tacos, I don't. Chocolate fondue, I don't. Dipping strawberries, I don't. So everybody in the crowd just starts saying, how you doing with me and Cass that night? Dude, the first time we were out there, we said soft. The second, And you can't teach that. The second time we went out there, we did how you doing. 
after that, we owe everything in the world to the Orlando fans. Right. The same fan base that got those guys on NXT right now, their own TV show. Yeah. They're better than the ECW crowd of Philadelphia back in the day. I'm sorry. All right? I love... There might be some people that would argue with you on that Orlando NXT crowd from 2014 to present... The Probably thing the is, greatest run of a crowd the, ever. The thing is, in Philly, you've got this like it's this blue collar. It's cold, you know. A lot of, lot of uh, you know immigrants, uh, you know, children there. Like the blue collar in Orlando, you've got a lot of tourists. You've got a lot of people that are like moving there just because they like. I sunshine. saw the same folks every week, and that's another thing that I'll say to wrestlers trying to build their brand right now. Um, the guys who you see on TV right now in the main events sometimes that are getting booed on TV. They have nobody to blame but themselves. Mm. And that goes for every wrestler in the world. If you're either getting booed or cheered, the onus is on you to do that. Okay? So if you ain't getting over, stop looking at the storyline. Stop asking the producers. Stop worrying about the other wrestler you're in the ring with and asking questions. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask why it's not working. Mm. Okay? People are ridiculous at times. Do you you think that uh, you're firing, you could have handled the situation differently? maybe not got fired do you think you you know the situation could have been handled a little bit differently that's why i mean i was bitterly angry at the wwe to a point where i showed up to their survivor series pay-per-view and gave them the middle finger <laughs> that was almost exactly one year ago exactly one year ago yeah. almost yeah um so basically my philosophy for showing up to survivor series a was i'm booking myself back into the business and it ain't here you you actually went out and you bought a ticket, as I understand. Bought a ticket. Twenty five hundred dollar ticket. Twenty five hundred dollar ticket wow. broke zero laws. Broke zero laws. So I think a lot of people are familiar with what actually happened, what they saw on camera. What happened after that? What happens after it's security the, takes you it's out? It's the funniest thing in the world to me because I bought a twenty five hundred dollar ticket, right? But you have to understand, I'm booking myself into pro wrestling again. Okay, which you saw me do at Madison Square Garden Mm -hmm. the same way I did at Survivor Series. This time I went over the barricade, right? Right. So (laughs) I paid that off. But for one, it was my philosophy of may the bridges that you burn light the way. I ain't scared. I ain't scared of you. I ain't scared to be a part of your world. I ain't scared to step away from your world and be the best version of myself. Sure. And I'm going to go out and get mine. You know, but at the same time, I never said anything bad about that company. I still haven't. If you look at any shoot interview or anything that I've ever done, yeah. I might tell you real stories, but I don't. I don't give away details that 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 are you know talking badly about any one individual. I've never really talked badly about anyone on record. If Enzo Amore or Enzo did that on camera and you got worked up. You know, okay, that it, that's pro wrestling. But then there's someone like Simon Gotch who has nothing but bad things to Simon say about Botch? you. <laughs> Simon Botch nearly killed me. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that's a Listen, scary moment. Here's the way I feel about it. I'm really enjoying this chat with Enzo. Hope you are as well. Quick time out here to thank our sponsor of this episode, Untuck It. And you ever see an untucked button-down shirt? I mean, they look bad, right? Why do they look bad? Because they're not meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. So no matter what your shape or size is, 
untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays just around the corner, there's really no better gift for the guy in your life. Perhaps that guy is you who needs an upgrade to their wardrobe. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online, or you can check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. And with Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, or too long ever again. And that was the big thing for me. Working in TV for many, many years, I'd have these great button-down shirts that with a suit would look awesome. And then after your shift, maybe you'd go for a drink. Maybe you'd have a pop-back of brewski. Big craft beer fan over here. And you would untuck your shirt and it would look bad and your friends would make fun of you. Or your friends would make fun of me. Because that happened. That all stopped with Untuck It. And their website's super easy to use. They have a whole webpage designed to help you finding, help you find the right fit for your body type. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or you're just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com. Use the promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, and use the promo code BLUE for 20% off. Now let's get back to Enzo. I have no breath in my lungs to say that name ever again, right? You get nothing from me, kid. You get nothing. Learn how to work. All right? Then the other one, uh, Joey Geneva. You're never going to hear me say his name either. You know, and I have my reasons. Uh, You know, then there's another guy out there who I have an enemy also. Um, You know, the thing is, I'm a nice guy. Is there another guy as well as Simon and Joey? Um Stop saying their names in this interview. Okay, sorry. All right. We'll, um, we'll bleep them. You're or not something. getting any more famous from saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, Give me a yeah. freaking break. The, the most views that anything those people have ever done in their lives is is based off saying my name or 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 my name being mentioned. So you're welcome. Beyond it, there's a guy, Tamatanga, who took food off my plate. Mm. So if I ever saw him out in public. Same thing with Joey Geneva. I'm going to walk up to you with my hands up. The difference, I think, is I don't think Tom is going to walk away. And I don't give a damn. Yeah. Because if Tom you're going to book him away. on the same thing as me, you ain't getting me. Yeah. Because that's his doing. If you're going to blackball me, Tomatonga, the gatekeeper of New Japan, you know, threw a hissy fit, got upset that he got worked just like everybody else did that day. You know, that's what we love about pro wrestling. Now, yeah. if you're not in on it and you get upset about it, okay, and you have the nerve to throw shade at my name who did nothing to you besides take spotlight from you, right? all right, that's all I did. If you have a problem with getting over, that ain't my problem. Yeah. That ain't my problem. So if we take it back to Survivor Series, you get walked out. That's the last we see in the video. What happens? You get charged. Do you yeah. have to pay a fine? Are you banned from the building? Shout out to all the guys that are blackballing me from meet and greets and, <laughs> and pro wrestling. Uh, you know, It's funny. There's literally, I'm not going to say who, what promotions. I'm not going to say what promotions. But yes, I am stepping back into pro wrestling. Okay. So um, I've initiated that on my own terms. From Survivor Series to Madison Square Garden and now. So that's been the ultimate blessing is doing these things without signing contracts 
and exclusivity, still being able to do what I want in my community here in North Jersey, help these kids create my music, have a studio, a boxing gym. You know what? I'm in there every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And everybody's a tough guy until they come into the boxing gym on Wednesday nights where we spar every Wednesday. You know, like if you're a tough guy, okay. If if you're not, no problem. Like what? what? This is wrestling. What if you did a schedule like? AEW, you could still work in the community. You'd only be gone one or two days a week. Would that be appealing to you? I will say that, you know, like, I've had conversations with um, a lot of people who are affiliated with different promotions. And I've talked to a lot of people about doing some things. And if I do something, it's going to be in a big way. Um, Ultimately, that Survivor Series deal, though, you want to get down to that. I get, buy a ticket, show up to the show. I get pulled into the back by Lisa. Now, Vince McMahon is brilliant. So you get pulled into the back after that. Well, you saw it. I I got pulled into the back area. I think people assume you got pulled into an area where you're getting, like, kicked out. Like, No, what happened was Lisa, see, Vince is smart. He has a female security guard because what man's going to hit a woman? You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. But I didn't do anything wrong outside of standing on a chair. So I get it. And I was dying laughing because I knew there was nothing they could do about it. I'm dying on the inside. Like, I just won. Like, you, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do about it. And Monday night, when you watch all those trends and you got to go through them as the writing staff and everybody and the producers, there I sit at number one. So you one. get to the back and does Vince right approach you? Right when I get you? to the back, Lisa looks at me and I know Lisa. And Lisa knows me. And I just looked at her and I had the most, <laughs> most real moment with a woman I've had in a long time. I looked at Lisa and she was holding my shirt and it was stretching. And I was like, Lisa, you know I'm a good guy. <laughs> she was like, ha. and she like, let go of my shirt, bro. And the police were coming. And I don't know why, but Lisa told me I needed to go see Vince. And I was like, Lisa, I don't work here. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm out. And then as the police came, I ran out a side door. And there was a fan standing there and was like, holy shit, Enzo Amore. I was like, hey, bro, what's up? Took a picture with him. Tag me in it if you're. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, to me, it was, it was just I, when I was fired, there was four or five other people under an investigation in the company that were wrestlers that were dealing with legal issues. Okay. I had not gotten a phone call by police. They had never contacted me one time. So you didn't think that anything went wrong in Phoenix? Oh, hell no. I know nothing went wrong in Phoenix, bro. Are you kidding me, bro? Like, what are you? Yeah, I was there, bro. I'm not inferring that something did, but you didn't leave there going, this is going to turn into something. If I did, I would have taken a video of it, literally a boom, boom flick, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah, I would have showed... The world like yeah the, she's enjoying this you know what i mean oh, but what the fuck could you do bro if you're me if you're me besides move on live your life and you know if people want to talk shit go ahead i don't know you you don't know me do i go out there as a single man and live that rick flair lifestyle when i had that title around my waist fuck yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. I, dude i was i was rick flair in it i was going out Different city every night. Sure. Different woman. Yeah. Living life. Yeah. Having a great time. I wasn't trying to hurt nobody, you know? Yeah. But then again, people do get mad about that, and I understand why. It's like Jerry Rice having the conversation with Deion Sanders the week leading up to the Super Bowl, okay? Jerry Rice pulls over Deion Sanders, and it's apparently the locker room, 
players only. Now all the players are gone. Now it's Jerry and a few captains and Dion. Right. And he says, why are you going out on a Wednesday night? Super Bowl's on fucking Sunday. You know what I mean? Dion's like, it's Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday night. And right. I'm the best in the world. Yeah. And we got to the Super Bowl. And if you think I'm not going to be the best on Sunday, you're out of your fucking mind. Now, that's Dion saying that. In retrospect, does Dion want to change that? I don't know. But I've heard Dion tell the story. Yeah. And I've heard Jerry tell the story. Yeah. Michael Irvin said he was at the Pro Bowl the year Jerry Rice had a worse year than him. And Jerry Rice came up to him and said, hey, I'm already working. And this is the day after the season ended. I'm already working to make sure that I have a better year than you next year. That's Jerry Rice coming up to Michael Irvin. <laughs> right? right Now, that's how serious a guy like Jerry Rice takes his craft to be the best in the world at it. Just because Deion Sanders doesn't necessarily go about his business the same way, you know, I understand where the animosity lies. And that's why I could understand why if Enzo Amore, the character, was eating pizza literally seconds before his music hits... And looks at the wrestler that's doing push-ups and sit-ups and not getting over and not getting booked. And I go, listen to this pop. (laughs) And the crowd goes fucking nuts. And I come out. They're happy to see me. Wrestling is pro wrestling. It's not the NFL. Right. It's a different thing. It's not. And people, they want to see the Ric Flairs of the world in that world. You don't when Dana White talks about the UFC, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, what do you expect from a fighter? Yeah. What do you expect from that type of person? The yeah. behavior, the, the you know, so I understood that we were in the WWE and and when I was a babyface for 5 years plus, you know, I had a job to do as far as maintaining that. As a heel, um you know, I went out to nightclubs with the title in L.A. and partied with Drake and partied with The Weeknd. <laughs> and crazy. you know what I mean? And for me, bro, like people think that because I'm, you know, like wearing the Gucci stuff and, and whatever on TV. Bro, I had like a stylist. I had a friend who had millions of dollars who would just let me borrow his clothes for TV. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like bro, I wasn't I wasn't about that. Life. Yeah, I started wearing Jordans because, yeah, I liked a few pairs of Jordans, but I just saw an opportunity to make some money in pro wrestling to get my own sneaker made and shit like that. Sure. So when you talk about getting back into pro wrestling, I'm assuming it's just you getting back into pro wrestling. It's not Cass. Yeah, absolutely. As as it stands right now. Yeah. Have you spoken to him? How's he doing? I spoke to him yesterday. He's doing everything he possibly can to be the best version of himself. Will we ever see him in tights again? Honestly, I can't tell you. I have no idea. I just know one thing that, the best friend that I had is not the same guy that's been walking around for the past couple years. Mm. The things that he's dealing with mentally, I can't relate to. Just because I can't relate, I've had to learn that it doesn't mean I can't understand. Because it's real. Mental health is real. And I saw it firsthand. It's real. And this guy is going through something that I would consider a disease. Mm. A disease. And other people are going through that. If he can come out of this thing and inspire people in ways like Tyson Fury has, that's a new purpose for him. And that, to me, is like the new purpose I've found outside of being on the road 300 days in a year in the WWE. You don't have time to think too hard. 
yeah. about your future and what it is that you're doing when you're so consumed in the now. Sure. And I remember being in the business, being there, and they would have seminars for us to talk about life after wrestling and career. What do you want to do? And, and, and they'll pay for you to go to college if you want and blah, blah, blah. When you're in the business and you're trying to do those things, good luck. Good luck. You no can have all time, the right? seminars you want about yeah. what we do when we get fired and or out on our ass and or stop wrestling. All the seminars about careers you want. But if you're not planning that career while you are there, yeah. you're fucked. Okay? You're fucked. But if you plan your career while you're there, you're frowned upon. You're going into business for yourself. Yeah. And you're going to be in a bunch of heat, but heat ain't even real. The only thing that matters in pro wrestling are the fans. The fans have the power to put a guy out there at five foot ten, a buck eighty five, who never had a wrestling match before, because they're just in the crowd going, Suf, Suf, how you doing? And I'm sitting backstage in NXT going, dude, what the fuck? Like, are you guys gonna put me out there? You know what I mean? Like Yeah. So if the fans can get me out there, make sure you understand one thing. It wasn't the WWE. It wasn't my peers. It wasn't a role. It wasn't this. It was the fans that kept me out there. So when that gets taken away from you, how long would you say it took you to get back up on your feet, kind of lose well, a little bit Well, for one, of you get fired by a company, right, who yeah. knows you're going through this hell. And they know me. My, my thing is, is if I work for you for six years and you put the microphone in my hand every night, you trust me. Sure. You trust me. Now, maybe you're fed up with the articles and maybe some of the guys are jealous or maybe some of the guys just genuinely don't like me or maybe people are having a hard time writing promos for me because every promo you write, I crumple up, take, and I rewrite my own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you're a writer in the WWE, you're not the guy. You're in a tough position because you have bosses, Vince, and people that are telling you what to yeah. do, what to say. And then you've got wrestlers that don't want to do that. So that's a tough spot to be in if you're a wrestler, uh, a writer. So I don't fault writers for doing their job. They have a job, and their only job is to keep their job. So they're not going to side with talent, okay? But if you're the talent, and you're a writer, and this shit looks terrible, I crumple it up, and I go, bro, you're not the guy who has to go out there and say it, unless you want to. But then again, you've never taken a bump. Do you know how to bump? <laughs> if you fall on your ass out there, you're going to be... But then again, writers... They're the lifeblood of the business right now. They're creating and generating the storylines that are good, bad, or indifferent. Right. So, um, Well, in WWE, I mean, it's not really that way in AEW. I wouldn't know. I don't watch enough, but I have watched a few things. And there's a few buddies of mine that wrestle there yeah. that I definitely try to stay on top of. You know, when you asked me uh, earlier when we first saw each other, you said, have you watched any wrestling? What man? I said, I watched Brock Lesnar and Finn Balor at WrestleMania. I watched Kenny Omega and Neville, which is what I didn't tell you. I watch Cody and Darby Allen. I watch Cody and Goldust. Uh, These are all great matches. And I thought every single one of those matches I named were awesome. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, am I on top of the biz? No. Like, do but I know what's got, going on? You've got one, you know, a foot in the biz. I got more than one foot in. Okay. I got some plans. I got some okay. things going on. I don't want to allude too much. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Pro Wrestling Tees. I just... 
partnered with uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, and we'll be launching a new line of merchandise right in time for the holiday season. So if you want to support an independent artist, an independent brand like you wrestling fans have for so long, independent guys, you know, I remember watching the Young Bucks getting shirts in Hot Topic. Yeah. And getting bobbleheads made and me saying to myself, damn, bro, good for them. Like, whatever. I don't have to agree with the way they wrestle. I don't have to watch their matches and say these are killer because I base mine on fan reactions and getting over. So these guys, whatever they're doing is working. Absolutely. So I'm not going to sit here. so over. Yeah, and they might not wrestle the same type of match Enzo and Cass wrestled or maybe the Usos or whatever. The bottom line is whatever they're doing worked. And... Independent fans sold out that Chicago show that that was their doing. That yeah. was independent wrestlers putting on an independent show in Chicago, and now it is spiraled into yep. an entire promotion. That sparked everything. And so you've got a lot going on. Pro wrestling tees. You've got the music. You've got more than At one. At Real fl- One, all right? At new, Real One. New album uh, came out in uh, September. Um, you've got more born, than one foot in the business. Born in NJ. Look it up. And you've got, uh, I know you like to, to talk, so you've got a podcast that you're uh, working on. Yeah, so for sure. That is the, the one of the things that we need to get to here. You've got all of these things going on. So I've been working on things, but I just haven't been out in the open about it. If you follow me on Instagram, you see me in the gym every day, but you don't see the renovations that we're doing on the other side to create a studio. Um, and we'll you know, show I, this too. Yeah, I, I, wanted, I yeah, wanted to put my will. feet in the ground uh, in New Jersey because... This is where my family is. This is where the love is real. So you're going to be staying in Jersey for a while. Oh, well, I'll buy coastal. So okay. I go back out to L.A. in January. Okay. So I'll be back and forth, um, you know, between L.A. and New Jersey again. Uh, I took a complete year off from L.A., but I knew this winter was coming again. And <laughs> it's I got, already I, here. I'm by coastal again. So I'm back to uh, a space out there. Um, and... That, in essence, is one of the reasons why I'm going back out to L.A. is because of the wrestling tidbit. I'm partnering with uh, the Store Horsemen, working with these guys. Uh, Really, it's their show, uh, but we could take this thing on the road wherever we want. Put their name on the marquee because I'm a wrestler on the show. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, hey, this is Enzo's. Nothing at all like that. This is for them. These are four guys, five, five guys that are huge wrestling fans. And I was blessed to have known them at the time I did because I learned so much from them. Stand-up comedians have a very similar life that pro wrestlers do. They get in rental cars. They go to gig to gig. They hope on a payout. Sometimes it ain't as good as it. So that's like the independent wrestling scene. And talking to Tony Hinchcliffe, who's a really good buddy of mine, uh, he's a world-famous roast comedian. Now, he and Jeff Ross were like mentors to me. Now, I watched them roast people every Wednesday when I came home from L.A. at the comedy store in L.A. And then I would be a, 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 a judge on the panel. And I would judge the roast contests from um, people who came to open mics on Wednesday nights in the belly room at the comedy store. Right. Those guys at the comedy store, they've interviewed John Moxley on their podcast, The Store Horseman, um, Chris Burns, Tony Hinchcliffe, Josh Martin, uh, Johnny Scordis, um, Matt Edgar, these guys, they call themselves the store horsemen because they got so much heat from Joe Rogan and all the other comics in the comedy store for loving pro wrestling. Right, yeah. And Joe thinks it's so, you know, fugazi and blah, blah, blah. So, in essence, they had a dream 
to run a wrestling show at the Comedy Store. And Mitzi Shore, I don't think would have ever let it happen, but now Paulie Shore runs the Comedy Store. Rest in peace, Mitzi, uh, the OG godmother of the comedy world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was blessed to infiltrate the world of comedy without being a comedian. <laughs> but I guess being a comedian on TV because Jeff Ross would come to, you know, he, he came to Brooklyn to watch SummerSlam. He never watched wrestling before in his life, Jeff Ross. And I brought him to the Staples Center when me and Big Cass were crying and he loved it. And then he saw Stephanie McMahon after. He's like... That was unbelievable. And I'm like, bro, like, you know, I'm not the guy to bring somebody backstage and introduce <laughs> them to Stephanie. And he, like, sees her, stops her, and it's like, oh, and this guy, Enzo, stole the show. Unbelievable. I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, bro. Like, I didn't mean for this to happen, Stephanie. And she's like, oh, he's great. I'm like, oh, my God, she wants to kill me. So Jeff Ross did a roast on, you know, the WWE with those people. He was introduced to wrestling. And then... I get brought to the Dave Chappelle Radio City Music Hall comedy show. I meet Jerry Seinfeld, you know, Bill Bellamy. I meet, uh, you know, Arsenio Hall, uh, Chris Tucker. And I'm just sitting there like mind blown by the, you know, now I know Dave Chappelle and I've smoked joints with him in LA. And I'm like, bro, this is like, if you watch the movie Half Baked and then Dave Chappelle hands you a joint, you're a kid, you're like, I'm a grown man. Like, holy shit, bro. This is nuts. And the most iconic picture of my life was taken at the comedy store. It was the last the last weekend before I got fired. I brought Post Malone, who's a buddy of mine, to meet Dave Chappelle. And John Mayer just happened to be there to do a set with Dave Chappelle. So there's a picture, which was the last picture I ever posted on Instagram before I was fired, that sat there with like tens of thousands of comments. It was John Mayer, Dave Chappelle... Me and Post Malone. Wow. And I was like, I need to get that blown up. I don't have any pictures of any wrestling or anything I've done. Not even here. Not at my house. And Robbie will tell you, I don't have... Robbie, come say hello to the camera real quick because they just (laughs) keep hearing me say Robbie. This is great, though. Robbie. Robbie, Introduce Robbie. 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 He's got a brand called Destination Happiness. Show him your shirt, bro. Give him the plug, man. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself thoroughly. This is the purpose. It's beyond... The hoopla of it all, it's beyond the monetization of things. Find your happiness. I don't care what it is. You have it inside of you. Trust in yourself. And I just want to bring it to life through merchandise. Yes, and that's what we're doing. So through Pro Wrestling Tees, through Sounds of Fight podcast, what we're about to do, shout out to Noriega and Spiff TV. More than likely going to fall under their umbrella, Nori and Drink Champs. Uh, We're going to go the opposite route of drinking, and we're going to inspire kids uh, and people talk wrestling, talk life, and be ourselves. No, well, no a, filters. You're a creative guy, and it's obvious that you have all these different creative outlets: the wrestling, the comedy, the music, and now the. But what do they all parlay into? Writing. Mm. See, I'm a writer. The book that we talked about at the start. I'm yeah. sure. Shoot- I'm also shooting a, a pilot for a TV show. Yeah. What's the basis That's next of this week, TV show? Wrestling. Uh Uh-oh. And I will tell you nothing else. Uh Uh-oh. I will tell you nothing else. So I'll be out in L.A. shooting a pilot next week, and then I have the wrestling show at the Comedy Store from these brilliant comics that I would learn from. If you ever watched me roast the cruiserweights, that wasn't a coincidence. I had every joke for those roasts (laughs) about every person on that roster. If you were on the 205 roster, I had at least 20 jokes written about you. Every single person. Wow. Yeah. Is that show sold out? 
because people will be watching this before the show happens. So the Comedy Store, November 23rd, 2 p.m., bell time. I do believe for the roast comedy and then the wrestling. We have Ray Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., Enzo, Brian Pillman Jr., Joey Ryan, David Arquette, David Arquette. There's a handful of names uh, that 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 are that are out there in the world. Matt Seidel. I hope I heard he might have gotten dinged up, so I hope he's still all right. That's a heck of a card. So can is it? Are there tickets still available? Yeah, tickets. Tick, tickets are. You know what? That's the thing. I don't. I don't want to say that tickets are available because well, I, I can't guarantee it. So. it. But there's a link in my bio at Real One on Instagram. If you're in LA in the area and you want to come to the show, it's going to be spectacular. It is the first ever wrestling show in the Comedy Store, and I will be in the first match. Nice, I, because I, sh- I need to be able to say that. I need to be able to say <laughs> I'm in the first ever wrestling match at the Comedy Store. I'm into firsts, you know what I mean? The first ever wrestling show ran at Madison Square Garden 60 years by a non-McMahon. I'm there. <laughs> well, you made yourself be there. Well, hey, let's say this. If <laughs> WWF could show up in tanks to WCW's pay-per-view, yeah. I mean, not pay-per-view, Monday Night Nitro, sure. and then air it on their program, Yeah, I'm one man, but I'm a brand, make no mistake about it, with a million followers and an opportunity yeah. to you know, make money uh, outside of the confines of a corporation. I'm my own brand. So if I show up and evade your shit, sorry, this is pro wrestling. I should have asked you this at the start, but how do you introduce yourself to people? Is it Enzo? Is it real one? Is it... Oh wow! Is it I like tell that? Them, I tell him, you call me champ. You call me whatever. The f- <laughs> like you someone want. walks into the gym here and they say, "Hey, my name's Chris. What do you say?" I'm Enzo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely introduce myself to people in life as Eric. Okay. Strangely enough, nobody. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> like knows when me. you get an Uber, they're like, "Hey, it's an Uber for Eric." You no, know? not even, bro. I'm Enzo in the Uber, bro. No. <laughs> Nah, Eric is for, you know, my mom, my friend, and for the little kids that uh, come into the gym and, and are worried about self-defense. And this, I got into something that I did not stop. Uh, I, I did not finish what we were saying. I said Robbie and I were just outside a few days ago. Now, we're in North Jersey, and this is Bergen Line Avenue. Now, Bergen Line is a busy street. And if Enzo walks up and down the street, you're going to hear the horn honk, and you're going to hear how you're doing, right? <laughs> so I was standing on the side of the road, and a guy pulls over his car, and he comes out with his son. And he said, you know, I wanted to let you know uh, you met my son uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I just want to say thank you. You were very good to him and you gave him something, or, you know. And I was like, yeah, man, no problem, blah, blah, blah. And he gets to talking to me and he says, you know, we take him to State of Fitness, the boxing club, because he has bullying issues in school. Mm. And kids are picking on him. And he had to switch schools. And I just looked at the kid and I said, hey, you know what? I was in special needs when I was a kid. I was a special ed. Kids picked on me and I had to switch schools too. And you know what? When I was your age, I wanted to be a pro wrestler in the WWE. Mm. And I did it. The only thing that is stopping you from doing everything you want to do is you. Don't listen to what those kids say to you. When somebody says something mean or something bad to you, hate is nothing but love disguised by jealousy. And that's an insecurity within them. They see something in you that they're jealous about. or They want to be like you or... Whatever it is that's frustrating them at home or their, their instability on the inside, that's not your fault. That's not you. Believe in yourself. And if someone says something mean to you, you know what the number one thing to say is? I love you. And walk away. And they're not going to know how to handle it. And it's going to be weird for you as a kid. But kids are mean, man. 
Kids yeah. are vicious, and got, it's mostly kids too, that are 14, yeah. 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that write obnoxious comments on Instagram and this, that, and the third. It's a cold world. I just want to promote happiness in real life, You know, inspire people to go out and be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. But beyond it, take yourself into the realm of possibility and stop taking yourself out of the realm of possibility. Like The possibilities are endless. So go be that thing that you want to be. Yeah. You know, if I could do it, yeah. anyone could do it. Do I you, know that. What do you want to be now? Inspiring. Hmm. You know, um, I think that the most important thing for me right now is to not let other people dictate what I do next. I get a lot of pressure from family. Nobody loved watching me wrestle more than my mom and dad. <laughs> Nobody. Eh, maybe my sister and my brother-in-law. I've gotten phone calls from promotions. I've I've entertained phone calls from promotions. You've said on other interviews that you have blocked Vince and Triple H from calling you? Uh, yeah, I did, actually. I unblocked Mark Carano. Okay. Uh, and we spoke recently um, about Big Cass. But it had nothing to do with me or the biz. I just let them know that when you guys fired that man, he wasn't in a good way and you knew it. Mm. Now now help him. And aren't they? Isn't that what WWE does? I'm not going to get into the details of okay. his situation and or what's going on there. I just know that a lot of wrestlers, you know, um, one wrestler that I love to watch and uh, I love to listen to his interviews is Roddy Piper. Mm. And Roddy, you know, was once asked in an interview, if you when you're 65, and he laughed. He's like, I won't even make it to see 61. You know, that's a real statistic about pro wrestlers. Yeah. So when you're 32 years old and you're me and you've been knocked out cold by a guy who botched a spot, um, that's the dangers of putting your life in another man's hands, another person's hands. You want to, the number one thing in the pro wrestling business is to keep each other safe. And... It's dangerous, and I've been knocked out cold, and my mother was sitting at home crying, not knowing if I was going to be alive. Oh, and she didn't know that for 20 minutes. It's scary seeing that clip. So I initially started making music and setting myself up for a life outside of pro wrestling right after I got knocked out. Right after I got knocked out, I called up Spiff TV, who's a great buddy of mine, Carlos Suarez. He's uh, works for you know Maybach Music and Sony and makes music with Chris Brown and shoots music videos for Drake and manages the artist and well, uh, reggaeton, Latino artist. I called him and he got me right in the studio and we started working on the music. In 2018 in November when I released music, that was music that I made years ago. Mm. So the music that I'm making now sounds very different than that album that I put out. And the rock and roll that I've been working on with you know rock bands and stuff. like I don't want to be pinned and like be like oh he makes rock oh he makes rap oh he makes this oh he makes that it's like i can make music like grace a song for my grandmother without any cursing for eight-year-old kids you could play that in front of a five-year-old okay or you could play phoenix where i'm giving the middle finger and i'm talking crazy there's a heel on a baby face in me just like everybody else <laughs> right you know what i'm saying so uh the pro wrestling world i didn't see myself getting back into until big Cass. 
the rekindling of a relationship and a friendship and seeing him get back on his feet against John Moxley for NEW, Mike Lombardi. Thank you. Um, that match meant a lot to Big Cass. He had never, he was roommates with Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, and he never wrestled them. And when I moved into the WWE, they were roommates. So I know them. So to see those two guys wrestle, that was the first time that I ever got involved in a wrestling promotion outside of the WWE. Right. I went to that show and I saw two guys in the ring calling shit on the fly, not discussing it in the back. We were hanging out in the back and we were talking about life. When they got to the ring, they just worked. Wow. And they didn't have a producer telling them what to do. Yeah. They didn't have anybody on the headset, no pressure. And I thought to myself in that moment, wow, I've never done this. I've worked for the WWE for six years and yeah. I've never worked outside of them. So I met Brian Pillman Jr. And I was enticed to get into the ring with the young upstart. He had a good haircut. I was a little jealous and I thought to myself, this is going to look good on camera. <laughs> Brian's you know? a fantastic guy. He's a friend of mine. He's I'm a big fan of his dad's. It's hard not to be. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, an opportunity at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center arose, which was the exact location of my last wrestling match, 205 Live Tour. And I said, this is serendipity. Like, I could wrestle in the same place I had my last match in, and yeah. I wore the same Jordans. <laughs> and I got in there, and I wrestled Brian Pillman, but I wanted to make a point. I had a match with him, um, not much talked about. We went out there, and I didn't say a word. I didn't cut a promo. I had no microphone, no entrance music. And I had oh, wet hair. I look like Raven. <laughs> I like, so I, 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 I put a whole bunch of, you know, different moves out there for the world to see me doing. Wrestling ain't moves, but I'll, I'll entertain the fans by doing some different stuff. Sure. If I get back in the ring and, and, and open up the possibilities of what it is that I can do now as opposed to wrestling as Enzo Amore because one thing I will say if you're an Enzo Amore fan is that guy is dead the only place you'll ever see Enzo Amore is on WWE TV but you're not done with wrestling I'm still Enzo hmm. but Enzo's a little bit of a hard ass and, and, and he ain't gonna run around backwards and he ain't gonna you know stand there and let you punch him in the face or pin him one two three I'm not taking orders from Vince McMahon Vince McMahon was the guy with the pencil telling me when I won and lost and telling me how to wrestle and which way you want me to act. Do you want me to be butt naked in the hallway with Lana in front of her husband? Okay, no problem. You want me to get beat up? In a, all right, cool. You want me to tap out to Rusev, you know, after I do this thing in 10 seconds? No problem. I'm not. I mean, bro, I'm beyond that at this point in my life. You know, going out there, song and dance, that just, that worked. And I could have done it for the rest of my life and probably would have had I had not been fired. <laughs> right, but yeah. that character, you've seen it in pro wrestling so many times. If I reintegrate myself, i got to reinvent myself. And um, I've already reintegrated myself. And if you guys couldn't see that heel in Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden, <laughs> you know, that was how I wanted to come back out. Was a big F you to all the fans that think that they know me so and give them something to talk about because they love to talk. Let they them do. talk. If you think that I'm really this person and you want to have a field day with it, go ahead. <laughs> but I can write, you know, a monologue for someone else. You understand? If, if you wanted me to write a monologue for a television show, 
I've written three scripts and treatments, you know? Wow. So I went to school for writing and I didn't take it, you know, it wasn't lackluster. It's, it's a serious thing I do. Yeah. So if if I'm going to write a monologue, as I, as I mentioned earlier, it was taken badly. When I came out of Ring of Honor in New Japan situation, I shit on everybody. I cut a promo that got terrible negative response from fans being like, oh, fuck him. Who the hell does he think he is? Right. Blah, blah, blah. Bro, I'm the guy who got booked at Madison Square Garden. And you're the guy who's mad about it. So, I, 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 you know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I wasn't like, I just, I saw an opportunity to stir the pot unlike anybody else was doing in pro wrestling yeah. because people love what's real. And if you just watch like the Instagram sagas of like Takashi six, nine and like trippy red and stuff like bro, they were viral trending number one in the world all the time. Yeah. But they were working with each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's all you, a work is what you're saying. It's all a work, man. It's all a work, bro. Like, don't let it fool you. If you come to one of my meet and greets and you meet me, you'll see that it takes 20 minutes to just get by me because I, I got to talk to you. <laughs> well, got, this, this is this is officially the longest uh, interview we've ever done. It's easy, baby. It's yeah. me. I'm going to talk. You know what I mean? Talk I, to the well, face. I appreciate your time. This yeah, has been but great. we're not done here because no, we're gonna... I, I brought you into my world today and I wanted you to hop on that ferry to cross you know, the river and see the world. I'm going to take you to get the best fresh mutts you ever had in your life. Mozzarella. Fresh mutts. <laughs> Fresh mutts. For the boys. Well, we'll do a little, you know, and every, then, everyone watching this knows we do the wrap-up video, so we're, we're going to kind of do this from different locations. Yes. I'm going to take we'll him about around. my hood, uh, Hudson County, North Jersey. Um, beyond that, as far as the wrestling goes, the comedy store I'm doing, keep your eyes peeled for me. I'm I, not saying how, when, or what. I think I'm when it saying, happens, we're going to see it. Yeah, I think you will, and I think it'll be big. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, if anybody takes me seriously, try to take me serious in person. I bet I can make you laugh, you know? <laughs> I got so many jokes. I got so many, <laughs> you know? But uh, I, 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 I hope that uh, little children that want to be a pro wrestler, go and do it. I hope that when the world shuts you out as a human, when something that you've worked so hard for gets taken away from you and and a situation looks to define you, that you take that opportunity because that's what it is. It's an opportunity. And if you treat it as something else, that's what it'll be. You'll fall into a mental rut of incapacity. You'll just not be able to do the things or be the person or the best version of yourself if you're worried about what other people are thinking. There's more people on the internet than there are people on the internet. There's fake accounts. There's children that say mean things. Uh, there's adults who apparently still think wrestling's real. Um, you know, and, and there's people who get really upset uh, and, and say really terrible things and send death threats to my family. And you know, say mean, mean That's stuff insane. that hurt my mom and hurt my sister. Hurt the, I could let all the negativity get to me or I can let it go right by my wayside and I can continue to dictate and manipulate the responses that I want to generate. I can continue to work on my craft and music, put out new music, uh, put out the old music that nobody's ever heard yet, which I've been doing. That's old music you're hearing. Um, the number one thing that I want to do here is what I've saved to 
finish this thing. And this is going to be a theme of my podcast that I have coming out. The status quo. We're going to spell it differently because I spell things wrong. You know what I mean? That's what I do. And it's okay if you're a kid that doesn't know how to spell. You can make a ton of money spelling things wrong. Okay? It's Q-A-A-O. Status quo. Quitting ain't an option. All right? Change your status quo. Quitting ain't an option. The second you quit, you're really quitting on yourselves. I didn't quit on the WWE. I didn't quit on my fans. I didn't quit on pro wrestling. I stepped away to make sure I am the best version of myself. Um, and, and to help a tag team partner who is slowly becoming the best version of himself once again. So if, if you can find inspiration in the battles of depression, anxiety, and alcoholism and conquer that fear and face it head on and look yourself in the mirror and love yourself, that is what I want to promote. If you are a kid that wants to do something and maybe your teacher, your parents, or someone else around you says you can't do that thing, trust me. You can do it. I did it. I did it. Not only did I do it, I did it when everyone told me I couldn't. No one thought for one second when I walked in the door that day in the WWE at FCW, when I took my first bump, when I ran those ropes and did a lockup, that they would be laying down for my ass one, two, three, five years later as the number one merchandise seller in the entire company. That took belief. Self-belief, confidence, that's the shit they say you can't teach. They can. They can teach confidence. You want to know how you get confidence? I'll tell you how. When Enzo ran out backwards a million miles an hour, that wasn't a coincidence why I was so confident. As you will see later when we go through my book, you'll see that I have written more promos than any pro wrestler in the history of our business. I'm not a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. Mm. You put the work in and good things come. I look at it in retrospect. This isn't me talking to you when I'm in it and having success and people saying these things with me. I had to write 10,000 pages of shit to get that one sentence. My name is Enzo Amore. I'm a certified gene and bona fide son. You can't teach that. Bada boom, how you doing? You all repeated that, but you didn't repeat all the other shit I wrote. Okay? Yeah. So that's not a coincidence. You put the work in and then you'll be confident. Okay? If you know you worked harder than the other guy you're standing across from, when you're holding a microphone and you're me, you have no fear in the world. You have no fear. I'm just ready for this. I'm ready for a moment. When I debuted on TV, it was lose yourself. It was Eminem. That same feeling I had that day I had when NXT, John Cena brought me out. But I was prepared for those moments with the word soft. I was prepared with the how you doing in the buffet thing. Preparation is sitting on your couch on Monday Night Raw watching Ryback on TV knowing that you're not going to work with him or have well, – why would I ever work with Ryback? But if I do work with Ryback, preparation, what am I going to do? Feed me more, feed me more. I can go on for days about this feed me more <laughs> thing. How you doing? Buffet line. Bang. There it is. I have it. I meet the guy. I got a, 10 minutes to prepare for a seg with him. I'm already ready for right. it. Right. Already ready for it. So I just want to inspire other pro wrestlers to not put their eggs in one basket of pro wrestling moves. Not to say that that doesn't work for people or that you can't make a million dollars doing pro wrestling moves. But 
The reason why Enzo doesn't watch wrestling is because of a man named Roddy Piper. I heard Roddy Piper say he doesn't watch wrestling and he doesn't watch himself wrestle. Hmm. How else could he be different? Dusty Rhodes told me in person the first day that I ever met him, you could be good, you could be bad, or you could be different. Mm. And you are different. (laughs) Now, I'm going to stay with the girl that I'm dancing with. I'm not going to drop her and go to another... No, this is the girl that got me to the dance. You know what I mean? I'm going to keep dancing with her. Sure. So if I'm different, why am I going to watch everybody else wrestle so I can be like them? Yeah. I don't watch wrestling because I've had a thousand wrestling matches and I've seen thousands of wrestling matches. If I don't know what I'm doing out there at this point, I shouldn't be out there. Right. So... Uh, you know, if if you're looking to be a, a wrestler in, in in 2019, just just make sure you're different than everybody else, and I think you'll have immense success. There's a great spot to end it on. So, thank you. Quitting ain't an option. What's your quote? There it is. So there you go. The longest interview in the history of the CVV show. Although I'm sure that'll be topped you know, eventually, maybe soon. Uh, Big thanks to Enzo. Thank you for your time, Enzo. Thank you for the warm welcome in Jersey. And uh, yeah, we talked about in the interview, he did in fact take me out for some fresh mats, fresh fresh mozzarella and so good. So freaking good. Uh, If you like this interview, please take a screenshot, tag me, tag Enzo. He's at real one. Let us know what you thought. And uh, I hope that your opinion of him has shifted even just a little bit from what you thought that he was like. I mean, I love the fact that he's giving back to his community in every way that he can. And it's like, he pretty much has an open door. If you want to go check him out at State of Fitness, he basically just said, hey, come by Wednesday nights and you can see him and see all the other guys there. And now I usually end the show with a quote, but Enzo had so many great motivational quotes in there that I, I feel like I should be quoting him. But I will say that uh, yeah, I love his passion. I love his drive and all of that made me think of this quote from T. Harv Ecker that says, how you do anything is how you do everything. Think about that. How you do anything is how you do everything. Hmm. So Enzo, the first of many interviews that I did, first of three interviews I did when I was in New York last weekend for the big events. So you can keep an eye out for my next two. Santino Morella, Santino Morella. He didn't speak like that at all during the interview. And also Flip Gordon. Hmm, Where's Flip Gordon going to end up? Mm, I don't watch for the interview to drop. So I will see you next Thursday.